doesn't matter when we cut I went, it off. I wanted to ask, how, how does it choose who, who goes where? So I, just I don't know. I mean, just, um, the reason, because I see, I see myself as small and the two of you are half-half. But yeah. when the recording happens, surely they're putting us either next to each other horizontally or two and one. If, if we're yeah. horizontal, I think is a funny thing. It could always also be if we know. Can you imagine if we know where you are and if you say something stupid, I could, just something look, yeah. I could just look at you going like, what? Yeah. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> something if we knew where we were sitting or, or you can kind of pass something over. But that's well, getting in the, uh, in the second one. I went on top with you two below. But in the first one, there was four of us. So it's split evenly across four, I think. Yeah. But then also when you shared your screen, Saraj, last time, and then you unshared it, everyone swapped positions the second time as well. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, right. we, we're getting fancy if we're going to do proper Brady Bunch looking around. Um, yeah. Oh, Brady right, so. Bunch. Yeah. Oh, a word. I don't really remember that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess cool. we... Should we do... We follow that plan of talk about the UK kind of recession and then how that compares to other countries, which then kind of neatly goes into doing business in different countries and where's the best one to either move to or start a business. And then we can just go into the topic of, you know, unicorns and what businesses are coming up and what you yeah. should be looking at. I haven't researched all 50 individuals, so mine's more on the stats about them. So it's like, where are they mostly coming from? What sectors are they in? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we were going to research all 50. No, I researched one. And then I'll you found like, your KPIs, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Got um, Cool. Uh, what we should do is just come up with a standard intro. So then it, we just always say, even if it's a different one of us saying it, we're always yeah. just like, uh, welcome and uh, cheers or something. Cheers is a bit too, like, evening form, like, isn't it? Although in Aussie, that's... Um, for every every situation. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee with Sanjuro. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, cool. Uh, well, uh, welcome everybody to uh, Coffee with Sanjuro. Siraj Zane, uh, th thanks for uh, jumping in. Um, I, I hit a mid-afternoon bit of a hit a bit of a wall this afternoon, so I'm glad glad we had this scheduled in conveniently for me to uh, get a pick me, pick me up. Um, Let me but, help you with a yeah. pick me up there, Ben. I, I've been thinking about this for so long because, you know, we've got the Englishman, the Australian and the South African. It's like the yeah. starting punchline of a joke. But more importantly, I just want to say that Mr. Zain Ali represent England, the current cricket world champs, and I represent South Africa, the current rugby world champs. Exactly what is Australia <laughs> the world champs of? The didgeridoo or the... <laughs> Boomerang, the bo the boomerang competition, throwing competition. Um, I, I know you over a period of time you probably have it on us, but right now I'm taking sitting comfortably here with my coffee. Thank you. Yeah, I might just have to leave you have it then. To be to be honest, I'm, uh, I'm not quite sure where we're dominating. Um, take you out in the surf competition, I guess. Or we'll, uh, might have to get you out in the water. Um, cool. Yeah. No, no, no. On to business. I thought I'd just start off with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. I, I do think maybe that becomes our tagline as a, a South African, an Englishman, and an Aussieman sit down for a coffee. 
and talk business. There's yeah, well, no punchline. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good time. Yeah. <laughs> Walk into a coffee bar and yeah. talk business. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, On who that note, um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it's been, uh, it's been in the news recently, obviously, that it's all been expected, but the UK is officially now in a recession. No one was surprised by that. But some of the statistics that came out were pretty stark. So it's actually the deepest recession the UK's had in its history. And it's the worst of any G7 country. So, I mean, if you actually look at the figures, it's the it between, I think, in the second quarter, the UK's GDP um, decreased by 20.4%, which is more than double than the US, which was around 9.5%. You've got France and Italy around 12, 13%. So it's quite a stark difference. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Why why has the UK been hit so much compared to other G7 countries when the whole world has been suffering through COVID? What I wanted to ask you about this is, is it the GDP as in the actual GDP? It doesn't directly relate to the stimulus package or does it? Is it got to do with no, think, how much money was paid out as well? Or is it more just the country shut down and didn't, didn't uh, generate yeah, I think it's just general, the GDP official statistics from April to June, uh, the state of the country. So the impact of all the stimulus packages is probably not accounted for because that will come in later. Um, but either way, uh, they have declared that we are in recession. Sure. Um, I mean, could it be that the UK is so well connected and is such a global city that when you shut down globally, kind of brings you down, It's the impact is much harder. Where, whereas, let's say that the, the, US, the US, are they, they're massive, but they, they're massive con, um, consumers of themselves. They're big enough to kind of generate enough um, revenue from, from themselves, whereas um, the UK is quite a small company country that punches way above their weight and does so much international that when that shuts down and all the borders shut down, you get hit by it the hardest. Yeah, I guess almost as obviously London's quite a bit of a hub being being the center point as well. So yeah, is is us shutting down a bit different to somewhere in Spain shutting down with maybe not as much international traffic going through and, and transaction going through it that both parties shutting down are it's affected a bit more. I think one of the things is we took so long to shut down compared to other countries. So I mean all the data was there, the strategy was to go for herd immunity, but also there are a lot of fears in the UK government that if we do lock down, the economy will be hit. So let's delay that as much as possible. The issue is by delaying it so long, it then meant the country suffered more. So the lockdown ended up being a lot longer than would have been desirable, which obviously meant a lot of businesses were suffering for a longer period than they would otherwise have been. So not only has the economy been hit, we've got probably the most deaths in Europe as a percentage of the population, I think. Um, so it's kind of just been a bit of a disaster economically and in terms of health because of the strategy that did revolve around the economy. Um, and now that you think a second wave is potentially looming, um, next year we've got, you know, the out, the fallout from Brexit yet to come, the impact of that to come in. So there's a lot of questions about the current state of the UK as a country or as a nation to do business in. Yet your, yet your currency is still the strongest currency in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> who knows why? So, but that's the other so you thing. kind of go, whoa. I, I wonder if we're going to pop, um, jump back in 
faster maybe than than other recessions because a lot of sort of unemployment numbers and so forth at the moment are obviously from redundancies and and nobody the amount of people hiring is a lot lower but it's not from necessarily a lack of desire it's from a lack of you know being able to be open and so forth so we're just starting to open up bars again waiters and so forth are going back um as more places start to open they'll start to hire back again so is there a potential for a faster increase though from from this recession than from you know a, a more traditional um recession in the market and a lot you know the joblessness seems a lot more permanent or long term maybe yeah i think this position that the uk was in before the lockdown was very strong so even everybody knew brexit was coming we were financially doing quite well the currency was had recovered and was quite strong so now that this has happened that's a good point ben we could we could see that we're in a better position to recover compared to a lot of other countries which will you know bring that rate back up quickly um so that's just something we're gonna have to wait and see and whether brexit the impact of the whatever the trade deal that's negotiated is you know there's a bit of talk at the moment about the financial sector um is there going to be kind of they're using the term equivalence so whatever the different deals are that are done between the financial markets throughout the eu is it this kind of covered by the same regulation or each sector have to do different negotiations with different countries so that will have a massive impact on banks and the kind of financial services sector so i think we're in a we're in a position where we will be able to bounce back quickly but it does depend on other factors the furlough scheme will be coming to an end soon probably mm -hmm. um will that result in mass unemployment which will hit the economy even more i mean there's a lot of unknowns at them yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do if uh if places start opening back up, coming off furlough because they've got the opportunity and then they start going back into lockdown. But also because there's the potential that we'll now do it as a regional lockdown rather than a nationwide. How does that then affect? Are you going to regional furlough if, if they want to re-amp um, up and so forth? Um, what do you think, Siraj? You guys just opened to a new level of, of lockdown in South Africa. What do you think's gonna... Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm sitting here thinking is that there is no place to hide, right? So if you if you were to look at it and go, the 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 UK has got the worst recession. But so so what? You you want to be in the US? <laughs> I don't know. So if you if you're going, uh, do you where where exactly do you want to be? Is the is the thing? I, I don't know where the best place is. South Africa is in um, and Africa in general. We're in a in a very difficult difficult situation in that the economy and the it was was struggling at the best of times before um, COVID, when this hit, it's really put a, a, an extra nail in the coffin. Um, so we're really battling, plus the incentivize and the, and the stimulus package from the government hasn't been as strong as the, as the, um, as the UK. When chatting with some, some of our clients in, in Canada, we, I was talking about this and they said, yes, you know, you, you kind of also have to weigh up the fact that for what they felt in Canada was, that the government is paying so much out now, and it's great for right now, but three generations to come will be paying for it. So, which you know, whereas whereas in South Africa there isn't that much to give, and therefore the, the burden won't be as great going in the in the years to come. It's a it's really is a um, you you damned if you do and you damned if you don't. Yeah, I think that's probably what everyone's finding out. Uh, everyone's probably in a difficult. There were some obvious cases, you know, New Zealand locked down hard and went fast and they're being praised for the efforts, but the 
it seems obvious in hindsight that was the right thing to do, but could the UK have done it? Would it have even been better off in a different way? We're never going to really know, I guess. Um, I, yeah. you, you know, I think it's quite um, quite telling as well that there's, I don't know, if is it is it Women's Month all around the world at the moment? And it's definitely Women's Month in South Africa. It's a big, big, big celebration of that. But you mentioned New Zealand and they have probably one of the most impressive prime ministers that uh, in, in the world at the moment, Jacinda, I can't think of her surname. Um, and um, okay. our, our trusted um, um, US president went out and chirped that, you know, places are spiking and even New Zealand is spiking um, their cases, you know. And she just came back and just boom, hit him right now today as she, she released something just saying, so sorry, you know, our daily rate is the U.S. has every 22 seconds um, the, the amount that we took in a day. So please, can we not compare what, what's happening now? So um, I, I just think she's is one, one very impressive yeah. uh, person. I mean, having all the things she's had to deal with, which is I think it was a, um, an earthquake, a terror attack, COVID, and mm -hmm. all of that, she during that she gave birth and breastfed her child in Parliament. It was, it's yeah. just, it really is taking things Remarkable. to a totally another level. Yeah, gotta love someone who's happy to sort of snap back a little bit, uh, bring, yeah. some, bring some character to the political game. So, uh, so I'd love to hear uh, what Trump comes back with, because I'm sure he will. <laughs> some nonsense, I'm sure. Um, should, should that sort of pass us on to then, Suraj, are you going to talk about the countries of where um, where is going well at the moment? You you oh. tell no, I don't think I don't necessarily oh. have um, a, a list of where it is going well. I'm sorry if I was meant to do that, bad me. No, no, no. Was it was I meant to look research that? Sorry, I missed That's the memory. All right. what, what did you want to bring to the table? <laughs> no, I think we were we were trying to we were going to discuss that. Um, is, is if you if you are looking at where you want to grow anyway, where are some of the countries that you might want to move to? I mean, we talk we're saying that the UK is got Brexit and the worst recession. So would you want to go anywhere else? And and where might that be? And Zane, you were sharing with us, uh, you know, some of the countries that are in the top fifty places to go. And there there's some there's some interesting ones that we that we wouldn't necessarily think are in the in near the top. I don't know. Are we yeah. are we pulling up the list, or should we just chat about it? Uh, pull it up, pick yeah. Off, I think. Or both, yeah. I don't have it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to pull up. Teasing. Uh, no, no, I think I've, I've got a, I've got another document here that I don't necessarily want to pull up right now yeah. because it's got a whole lot of colours on it. But right no, at the yeah, top, you talk New, New, New Zealand is right at the top. So New Zealand yeah. is kind of one of the top countries to. To, 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 to kind of grow and expand into. And I think, uh, Zane, you also, I think you shared it with us. The, 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 what are they looking for when they're rating this as, as a country to, to is, it, is it the easiest entry? Is it the best place to do business? Yeah, there's a whole host of factors. So, I mean, these are all important considerations any business should have when thinking about entering a new market anyway. Um, but the, the World Bank's Ease of Doing Business Index, that covers a whole bunch of issues. So I mean, one of them is, you know, if you want to start a business, what are the kind of, what's the ease of the procedures, the timing, the cost, you know? Um, you've got 
how do they protect investors? What are the legal rights? What are the you know tax issues? So they go through all of these different things. And then also one, a couple of the other areas they consider because there's differences between continents, but obviously in certain areas, you've got to look at things like even electricity. Um, how easy is it to get your internet connection? What infrastructure is available for you to do certain things? So all of these, all of these areas are collected, weighed up, and then they determine the ease of business. But one of the things the World Bank doesn't do is look at kind of other wider economic factors they don't look at the country necessarily on a global scale in the sense of you know what's their gdp and that side of things they look at very specific factors about how easy is it to sell for business so i don't have the list in front of me either but i remember seeing that um i think georgia was seventh on the list but it was actually when it's ranked by um by starting a business, Georgia actually comes number two in the whole world. It's the second easiest country in the entire world to set up a business, I think after New Zealand, uh, which was very surprising to me just because I'd never really thought about Georgia as a hub for business. But that shows you this index, the way it's ranked is more about, you know, the ease of doing business. Yeah, let me share this. I actually, uh, let me just open this Excel spreadsheet. Can you see that? Uh, it's coming up now, yeah. Mm, yes. Yeah, so there, as you as you said, Georgia is seventh, which is is one of those where you you wouldn't really expect it. Um, I think New Zealand, even Singapore, I hear amazing things. You can start a business with all paperwork within one day. You can have a business up and running, bank accounts, uh, tax, well, everything, everything else. Yeah, our our partners in Singapore actually, it's uh, there's no paperwork. It's fully digital. Um, they're one of the first governments to start accepting uh, e-signatures to for legal documents and so forth. So you don't have to hand in anything at all. You can do it all online um, via online services, which is quite, quite powerful. Yeah. So if we, if yeah, we... given, sorry, go on. Is he frozen? Oh. Ah, am I still there? Yeah, you're there. You're back. <laughs> okay. Um, the career um, careers are in the in number number five. Does that surprise you guys? Yeah, uh, I wasn't that surprised to be honest because Korea is quite strategically placed, you know, in in Asia between you know China, some of the other countries. But obviously, it's a democracy, and they're quite very very developed as well and forward thinking. Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't have guessed it would be number five, but. That being said, equally, I'm not surprised. They're massive, obviously. The obvious industries have got, you know, K-pop. Uh, they've got kind of unique fashion, music, that kind of entertainment sphere. It's a massive industry, um, particularly consumed by other Asian countries. But other than that, yeah, it is a bit of a surprise, I guess. But but don't you think they all? What what I find quite nice with them is that they they float under the radar. They're not really. They, they kind of don't upset the United States. They don't upset China too much. Yet they have Samsung, Hyundai, Kia, which are three absolutely massive brands that are going out there. But you never, you never kind of have a feeling that Trump's going to say, "Oh, let's ban Samsung," as the way he's doing with with China. And I know there's the the, the real political kind of views there, but I think that's one of the reasons why they're probably there as well. They they kind of float under the radar. They play nicely with everyone, yet they're delivering really good products. I mean, if you if you think of a, of a good couple of years ago, before the Hyundai's and the Samsung's of this world, they were making Daewoo cars. Did you guys ever have Daewoo a Daewoo car? No. 
Daewoo we we, were one of those that in South Africa, they made microwaves and cars, which was like the most bizarre thing. And we often kind of went, went if we saw someone driving a Daewoo, it was like, yeah, yeah, can you warm up my pie or something? I don't know. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, anyway, I think they've, they've pulled it, turned it around. Um, any other surprises up there? I think for me, Lithuania, number 11. Yeah, I mean, even Mauritius at number 13. Uh, I know we've spoken in the past and you've mentioned Mauritius, Siraj, but again, my immediate impression of Mauritius is more of a kind of a holiday resort. Yeah. So it's not really top of my mind of, you know, that's a place to do business. I think it's quite interesting to see there. So, they, so Mauritius, Mauritius made a conscious effort a couple of years ago to change their, their it became a tax haven. Um, so it's a you, you. It's one of those places where they went. Uh, we need investment here besides the beaches. Let's make this an a, a tax haven. So a lot of African countries went and, and launched and started their businesses in 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 Mauritius. Plus, there's a very strong relationship due to the kind of francophone um, country in that they're French as well. So there's a strong relationship with with France, and um, so there's big ties there. But the, uh, the last time I was in Mauritius 25 years ago on, on, on holiday and um, the, the downtown. Showing your age there. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Port, Port Louis, Port Louis was, was, was tiny then, you know, and it was really just, just a, a holiday resort, the country was. And now it's a, it's a massive booming city um, and, and everybody wants to start um, businesses there. But they, they're quite strict. In, and, and how's this is one of those criteria where, if you want to start a business in Mauritius, you have to have your AGM, your annual general meeting in Mauritius, you know. Um, and and when whenever I speak to country, uh, companies in South Africa and I mention this as, as one of the options, they go, oh, so is this a downside? We have to go to Mauritius every year to have our AGM? They're like, oh, well, sign me up. So, uh, yeah. again, I think it's quite clever in the way they do that is that you can start something there, get the tax breaks, but you're always coming back. You're always having your meetings there. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty clever. Okay. Siraj, is uh, Argentina anywhere further down on that list? Uh, it would be under Close. my desk if I were to do that, um, Ben. It's off the screen and further down un under, yeah. under my desk. I don't think Argentina is going to be on too many lists at the no. moment. Well, well, actually, it's it's on it's on my list uh, okay. to to slightly uh, steal the transition there. So yeah. interestingly, on this, I, I think Zane's right, and a lot of it's on the ease of setup and so forth. So I was speaking with some partners in Egypt as well. Did, didn't make the list, so they they might have to keep working on it. But they were saying obviously the governments are motivated, and uh, it, it would be a big motivation for pretty much every government to get as many tech companies and startups and so forth into the country. So it's a case of who's they're all setting up programs to make it super easy to set up a business, reduce the friction on getting in and using virtual office space and so forth is becoming a lot more common. So I, I think that's where a lot of those countries that are slightly not your first guess of where you'd want to go are slipping in and trying to get a, probably a bit of a competitive advantage and go, well, well look, we'll slightly undercut for, from a sales point of view, if you want to think of it that way, what these other big major places are doing will just make it easier for you. So why not come here? Um, the reason I mentioned Argentina was um, so 
on the other end, uh, CB Insights put together their, their 2020 list of the 50 unicorns um, that, that are likely to be formed. And it's not a full comprehensive list. They're not saying these are the only ones ever to be made, but um, 2% of those were from um, Argentina, which I think gives them one, um, but one out of 50 for Argentina for, for a billion pound or dollar company, I think is, uh, is pretty good. So I had a little bit of a look at the list um, just to have a look at where these sort of, you know, unicorns are popping up. Um, and as I said, it's not a fully comprehensive list because I noticed um, Gymshark aren't on there. But just the other day, that's a, a UK started um, leisure brand just hit over a billion. Um, they didn't make the list, but I don't know if they're focusing on on tech and so forth. But I thought that was a pretty good achievement from a guy 19 years old, started in 2009 in the UK. Um, got it to a billion in what nine years ten years what did i say yeah um yeah so the you see the, those are the those are the stories that hit the news right the 19 yeah. year old that makes a billion and then you have gray-haired guys like me yeah. trying to make a living um and crunching <laughs> my way in close to my 50s trying to start businesses and um and but the interesting fact is that the average age of founders successful founders Anyone take a guess? Have, have we discussed this? 30, 36, but that's, I, I don't, yeah. Zane? I said mid-40s. Mid yeah, 46. So Boys. the average age of successful um, startup uh, founders is actually 46, which is, and you get these anomalies of the, of the unicorns that hit the yeah. media and everything else. But it is kind of at that 46-year-old. Um, so, so I mean, Ben, you've got, what, at least 20 years to get there, and Zan has got about 15. But, um, you know, I, I think there's, uh, it's, it's interesting that at that, that's that midlife crisis almost, right? Someone who's, who's lived through an entire um, corporate career, learned a hell of a lot, looked at, worked at his network, found something, and then went out and started something in his mid-40s. Um, it's it's quite a it's quite a, a, a nothing. I know it wasn't on our, what we were going to chat about, yeah. but uh, yeah. I, I think that's very interesting. You're right. I mean, these kind of when you get young founders doing so well, it is an anomaly. And actually, when you look at anyone who or any company that becomes a unicorn, I saw a stat that said there's a 0.0006% chance of a company becoming a billion dollar company. Um, which just shows how rare it really is. So even though this list is like suggesting these are the 50 potential future unicorns, it doesn't actually mean that they all will become unicorns. Um, but who knows, maybe it'll become more of a common thing as we yeah. go along. I mean, so more opportunities with tech. Yeah, so interestingly, CB Insights did the list in 2015. They seem to do it once and then pick back up on it in 2019, or I've missed the other years. But from their 2015 list, 52% of the 50 they listed went on to become uh, billion-dollar companies. So they've uh, they've got some sort of good model. Actually, they call it a mosaic algorithm. Um, they check the market, the financial health of the business, and then the traction they're getting. Um, in from their 2019 list, 34 so 34 percent so far have gone on to to hit the billion. Um, obviously, a bit of head start on the 2015 list. Oh, sorry, the 2015 list had a head start, but yeah, there's um, two couple of companies. Oh, UK is the second largest um, with a big old three of the list. The US is obviously leading the way. 70 percent of the companies on their list are from the US. 
Um, UK's got three, Germany's got a few, Australia's got two, so does India. Interestingly, they've only got one from China. Um, uh, and then, then everything else goes a bit smaller than that. Argentina's on there for, for one as well. Um, but the big areas we've got to be looking out for are enterprise big data and fintech uh, at 30% and 20% respectively. And then after that, it goes to like healthcare and hardware at 8% um, each as well. So should be uh, interesting to see. I, I did actually see one of the companies on here um, has already hit the, the billion company called Gong. Um, they work with remote sales teams um, and give you better uh, analytics and insights over your remote sales teams, check their performance and understand who's converting well and all sorts of stuff. So uh, I think that's a natural fit they've, um, for the current state of market and where everyone's uh, working and so forth. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was quite, quite interesting um, to look at the breakdown. I've just I've, I was reading uh, some other news as well, and there's a list um, that Forbes put out of the top seven highest um, TikTok earners, and they all oh. teen they all teenagers, yeah. right? Um, and I mean, we we're talking about uh, young people who are in college that are that are making five million dollars um, doing funny dances on on TikTok. Five million dollars. That's what mm. the, the 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 top the leading Edison Ray. Easterling, if anybody wants to follow her, um, is $5 million. And then the number two is $4 million, and her sister is number three at $3 million. So between the two of them, they've made $7 million doing little dances on TikTok. It's just phenomenal. It kind of hurts my brain when I think about it. I, I think what, it, I, what that's identifying, I mean, the age is people quickly getting onto new technology, obviously. So a lot of the older generations will be like, I don't know what this is, I'm staying off it. But really, I think yeah, it's an thanks, example. Thanks, Ben, I can That's feel right. that. That's oh, yeah. We were right talking earlier about okay. working out if I could see. You, I don't know if you're here for me or here yeah, for me on the yeah, video, but like, I'll, I'll look at you. Um, <laughs> but I, I think what it identifies is the globalization of, of audiences and, uh, and attention, though, as well, right? Like these apps can reach millions and millions of people now because the world is so connected. So what can be a, a, such a small thing as, you know, advertising pays, you know, cents per, per thousands of views and so forth. But when you're working in such a globalized, now connected market, the revenue potential for anything and is, is astronomical. I think that's the same for, for businesses. And, you know, what we're looking to do as a company is connect everybody in the world so they have that opportunity to have a global footprint because then the potential for work out there just it, it has to be astronomical exponential because once you're outside your country the whole world's your literally your oyster um, so i think that's where the differentiation comes in of where people even you know before youtube and stuff didn't expect it to be a real job but as long as you can get a decent little um slice of the pie because the pie is so big you'll get a, a small slice of a million people watching you and that's a huge amount of attention which is hugely valuable to to companies and to advertisers and so forth so yeah i think the evolution of the of that particular space is interesting as well so i mean we started off with youtube um, where you could upload all sorts of videos long form short form typically more than a few minutes on average and then then came along vine which was i think 60 second videos six in, or six second videos sorry and Instagram introduced a video feature, which was 60 seconds. Uh, Twitter bought Vine. And then the thing with Instagram is you kind of, 
it's very curated. So most people typically would post, you know, post pictures to demonstrate a particular lifestyle, but it's typically your best pictures. And TikTok yeah. came along and it was more, don't worry about how you portray yourself in a particular way. It's all about having fun. It's about, you know, do fun things, pranks, dances, or, you know, whatever it is. And other people have used it for B2C for business as well. So it's brilliant for anyone selling a product. If you want to target Gen Z, the younger generation, um, you can, that shows personality of your business, of your company. You know, we're going to get involved with these trends. We're down to the kids. We're going to do these dances or fun things or make you laugh. And we're going to do it within 15 yeah. seconds. Um, so that kind of also correlates with how people's attention spans have changed massively over the years now. So you now need to capture people within the first 5, 10, 15 seconds if you've got any chance. Yeah. So so what's, what's really interesting is, one, just to chuck in the... Uh, in the other step there is Snapchat. So I think I, I was listening to the founders of Instagram on, on a podcast not long ago, and that obviously did start off as people showing photographs, but then I think you're right. It, at first, I think Facebook was slightly similar. It felt it was more personal sharing, but then it became so scale. People didn't want to share their flaws and so forth, so then you just stopped posting. And then Instagram, their you know, their organic growth has, has slowed down or the potential for organic reach on Instagram is slower now as well for companies compared to what it was. I think then that's where Snapchat stepped in and because the idea was it got deleted after someone watched it, then it becomes more just, hey, look at this little thing. It's not a permanent record, even if it, it's not that you want to show something stupid or, or what its original purpose was for, but um, it's more just it was a short bit of story and here it is. And then obviously that's Wayne as well and TikTok has stepped in. The interesting thing for businesses on, on TikTok and, and where I think some of um, some of the views changed, their, their algorithms, I, I wanna say so good, I, I don't know the specifics of, of it and so forth, but um, so so I am on there, but what people have started doing What's is- What's your username? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you know afterwards. I don't do anything yet, but um, what people are starting to refer to is because the algorithm shows you videos similar to the other content you watch, you do end up in a bit of a niche. Um, and then so what they start referring to is those niches as something TikTok. So there's like book TikTok, there's business TikTok. Um, so they're referring to this as once you end up in this sort of lane, you kept getting shown business content. And then so like I will often stop and watch a full one minute's longest video if someone's talking about investment and so forth. So I end up getting a lot of investment videos, business videos, people giving advice, tips on marketing and so it's forth. Okay, so you my... don't have to try and convince me that you're, that you're on business TikTok. Yeah. We, know, we know that you probably are on some kind yeah, of yeah, K-pop yeah. TikTok, right? Yeah, that's why I'm not letting my name out. Don't worry. I'm going to go private my account right now just in case. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I think it's you know the interesting thing on that is that you know when I when I looked at this list and you see they're making five million dollars and four million dollars, I think it's crazy that people are paying them for that. But if you if you drill down a little bit, you find out that it's there's actually a real business behind it. So a lot of them quickly got their following up and then launched a clothing brand brand oh, or yeah. then launched a makeup brand and. And, and they sign endorsement deals and, and re, kind of real world business off the back of, of TikTok. Now, now, for me, that's interesting because we, we kind of write it off to this young thing and it's like, I don't understand it. But if you go back to it, they, they sing, they've got singing careers, they're launching music. They, 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 the really good guys are, they, they use it to get a quick, a, a quick following 
then they capitalize while they are famous. So to well, they're, they're yeah. building a brand, and it, but it's yep. a personal yep. brand. Um, yep. So then, yeah, they quickly, and a lot of it's often, you know, a Shopify store. So there was recently, was it Kendall Jenner or one of the Kardashian? And there's like, oh, she might be one of like a billionaire almost, just worth 900 million. But all her thing was, was basically a white label makeup fashion set that she found and, and got exclusive, put her label on it, used a Shopify store, and then had enough of a following that as long as you, if you're getting millions of views, you only need to convert 5% of that to be getting 20,000, you know, a lot of, a lot of hits per month. And then you're all of a sudden got a high value brand. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, that, that angle is quite interesting as well. So I don't know if you heard recently about, or if you've heard in general about drop shipping. So it's mm. this kind of business model where people um, essentially set up a brand they sell a product, but they've never, they don't have to see the product, they don't have to handle the product. You know, you can go on Alibaba, you can find it in China in a warehouse. You just market that. When the orders come in, you then essentially have the product shipped to that person. And so many people have made millions and millions through doing this, just through viral campaigns where you go to an influencer on Instagram or TikTok and you say, hey, I'll give you a percentage commission, can you just promote this product? That product gets promoted to this massive audience. People buy it. Orders come in. You never, you don't have to worry about any of the overheads or the costs. You ship the product over, and you're making millions. Um, there is obviously the risk for, you know, lack of quality of product, counterfeits. Um, some orders don't even arrive to the person that's put the order in. So it's a bit of a, it's an interesting space. Yeah, you just at that point, you just have to be the marketing and salesperson to build the brand, and then have fulfillment centers and, and dropship companies do the rest. It, it's quite interesting, yeah. Well, well, I reckon we've probably chatted for enough. Uh, uh, no, not, not that uh, I'm enjoying it, loving it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we, we've got an audience to think of. We're trying to build a brand here before we launch our t-shirt company, uh, Coffee with yeah. Senshiro. Or uh, I suppose we'll start with mugs. That'll make sense. I'm still yeah. waiting for mine, Zane. <laughs> I'm working, I'm working on my dance. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You, my... you hit TikTok. We'll get Instagram, yeah. and before you know it, we'll have a dropshipping company set up. Um, yeah. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. It's cool, guys. Fun, Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll uh, see you all next week. Yes. Stop recording. Oof.